Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you all had a great weekend. I certainly did. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. You are you. Coming up here today on the program, Bob Vanderplatz is going to join us. At the bottom of the hour, the Democrats have already decided to move Iowa's first of the nation caucus status to South Carolina. Could Republicans follow suit? And how, if at all, would that change the nominating process for one, if not both of the parties? We'll get into that for him coming up at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we have some Ask Me Anything, our followers over on Truth Social and Getter. You get to take center stage. Todd has curated the questions and thinned the herd, and he will hand them off to Aaron to blindside me with them coming up in the next hour of the show, and we look forward to that. I also always look forward to telling you about my underwear because... I only wear Tommy John, and they do a fantastic job. There's a reason why they have so many five-star reviews, why they don't have customers. They have fanatics. It's underwear that has you ready for really everything when it comes to comfort, when it comes to temperature, when it comes to flexibility. Um, That's why they've sold over 17 million pairs People absolutely love Tommy John. I do. I mean, I can't give a product a better endorsement than they let me try it for free. And then I go back and buy it myself whenever I need more because it's just that good. Get 20% off your first order right now if you want to try Tommy John for the holidays. And yes, they do have a product line for the ladies as well. TommyJohn.com slash Steve. Again, head over to TommyJohn.com slash Steve and take 20% off your first order at tommyjohn.com slash Steve. All right, with the lineup set for today, let us begin as we always do. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Twitter files. All of it. It's all true. There's a difference between knowing something is true and having documentation to prove it. And over the weekend, thanks to Elon Musk, we got confirmation. Twitter was indeed censoring inconvenient information and opinions at the behest of various political powers. The trove of internal documents from Twitter was provided to independent journalist Matt Taibbi from Musk. In a thread detailing all of these documents, it becomes clear there were open channels from political campaigns, especially in 2020 from the Biden and Trump camps, with the former obviously benefiting the most. Taibbi shows one email between executives at Twitter with a list of tweets and the message, more to review from the Biden team. The other executive then replied, handled. The Twitter files, as they've become dubbed, are rife with this sort of blatant manipulation of how information is disseminated or, in these cases, squashed. There's much more where that came from, but we need to move on. The Senate has passed a bill forcing rail unions to accept a labor deal that doesn't include paid sick leave, which is something those unions have been pushing for for a while. The bill also makes an impending rail strike illegal. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says the looming National Defense Authorization Act will not be moving forward unless COVID jab mandates are dropped in the military. The Democrat National Committee has voted to move the first caucus of the 2024 cycle out of Iowa and into South Carolina. It's a move championed by the White House, who says Iowa Democrats lack the diversity, equity, and inclusion they expect in the South Carolina caucus. 
Former EcoHealth Alliance executive Andrew Huff has written a new book called The Truth About Wuhan. In the book, Huff claims that COVID was genetically modified in a lab and leaked. EcoHealth Alliance, if you remember, is that group that received funding from the NIH to do dangerous gain-of-function research. Former U.S. Navy SEAL Chris Beck, who gained national attention for announcing he felt like a woman in 2013, has announced he's detransitioned. In an interview with Robbie Starbuck, Beck says he was propagandized and used badly by a lot of people. Beck also said a psychologist told him he was transgender after a singular one-hour consultation. He also now refers to transgenderism as a cult. Meanwhile, at the White House, here's Dick Levine addressing pediatricians. So I encourage all of you to think of yourselves as ambassadors to your communities, ambassadors for science, ambassadors for compassion, and ambassadors for care. These conversations don't have to be limited or restricted to a medical setting. Offer yourselves as informational resources, not just for youth, but for school teachers, principals, school boards, professional organizations, recreation centers, county commissioners, and others who would benefit from this information in your perspective. Please proactively seek opportunities to speak about what you know. Our task is to educate the public in as many forms as possible. Checking in on China, I, I mean Canada. For Christine Gautier, the fight to get a wheelchair lift in her home has been an uphill battle. I have to crawl down the stairs on my, on my butt with the wheelchair in front of me to be able to access my, my house. While pleading her case to a Veterans Affairs case manager over the phone in 2019, she was told something that would leave her feeling shocked. If things are so hard at this point and uh, you, you just can't keep going on, then you, you know we can assist you with uh, aid to die. And finally, Pastor Alistair Begg has a truth bomb. We're not free to tamper with the Bible. We're not at liberty to rewrite the Bible to accommodate godless perspectives, whether it's a godless perspective on euthanasia or on abortion or on sexuality, whatever it might be, transgenderism. And in this arena right now, at this point in the, in the 21st century here in America, within the framework of church, whatever you want to call church, big church, let everybody go in for the moment and think about this. The danger is an increasing danger that those who should know better are losing their convictions not about sexual matters, but about the authority of the Bible. That is the issue. In all of these things, it is all from the Garden of Eden. The evil one came and said, did God really say? Did he really say that? They believed the lie and the rest followed. The same bullet is in his gun. Coming to the pastor and say, but wait a minute, pastor. Is that what it really means? Is that what he really said? And those who are in positions of responsibility need to face that. If we lose conviction about the authority of the Bible, if we then become uncertain about it, then we lose our voice. If we then in turn become indifferent to the issue, then we're in real trouble. And that's what happened while we were away. For those of you that don't know, because this is something that is very rare in the contemporary society in which we live, so you may have been confused by what you just heard from the man in the, uh, the baby blue sweater there. And you may have thought, were we experiencing some technological difficulties? Does Bronny still have electrolytes? Uh, you may have 
needed to polish your glasses, uh, clean the wax out of your ears, you may be, frankly, disoriented after what you were just subjected to. And I, I can't blame you. Because I know a lot of us don't have this or aren't even looking for it. But what you just saw is a pastor. That's called a pastor. Or in other generations, eras, a minister or a preacher. Apologize for triggering you. Yes, that's a, that's a pastor. Apparently a few still exist. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of, shall we say, interesting situations like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. No, you wouldn't believe what could be. I had to come to work. That's what former Twitter employees complained about. I had to show up, right? That's why you better talk to Bambi. Uh, Bambi gets you access to your own dedicated human resource manager starting at just $99 per month. No long-term contracts either. You can do it month to month. They're available by phone, email, or even real-time chat. So onboarding and terminations can run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance and your business stays compliant with ever-changing HR regulations. You know, an HR manager can cost you up to 80 grand a year. But Bambi starts at $99 a month. And again, it's month-to-month, no long-term deals. Schedule your free conversation today. See how much the Bambi can take off your plate if you are particularly a small or mid-sized business owner. Go to Bambi.com right now. Bambi.com. Type in Steve Dace under podcast. That's my name. When you sign up, and uh, it'll really help the show and really help you as well. Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E, Bambi.com, and type in Steve Dace under podcast when you go to sign up. All right, let's let's get to what is in uh, Aaron's montage today. And I want to begin with a question. And we're not going to answer it because I think it'll answer itself once I ask it. And, 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 and frankly, attempts to answer it would, would really just undermine the potency of the question. Um, the, the question that I have on the table is what would previous generations that forged and framed the country, um, how would they have dealt with confirmation that elements of media and government concocted a fake foreign plot to influence election outcomes so that they could actually steal an election and plot the coup instead. How would the generations that founded and forged this country have dealt with such news once it was confirmed? How would they have dealt with it, do you think? Let's just say after a fair trial, of course. 
let's get to the substance of what is in there. So the answer isn't blessing of liberty? No. Oh. No, no. It was it's, not, it's not that. Tongue. That's not that. No. Um, oh, well, what they would have done would have been a blessing of liberty, but they would not have considered this to be one. No, they would have, they would have blessed liberty by what they would have done after a fair trial. Of course. Of course. Um, I thought Aaron said it very well in that montage. It is, it is one thing to, to suspect something. It is one thing, it's another thing to even know it. But then not have the ability to produce the kinds of evidence that would confirm it for anybody who doubted you. It's entirely another to be handed that evidence. What is in those Twitter files, and Musk is saying, this is just the start of what he plans to do. And not even just on Hunter Biden's laptop. But over the weekend, he held a chat. He mentioned COVID censorship. He even mentioned January 6th. Accused the New York Times of essentially being a propaganda arm for far left activists. Admitted that he takes assassination concerns seriously, as he should. What Musk has done just in the last 96 hours is frankly more for freedom and liberty in America than the Republican Party has done in decades. With just one revelation. Now some of you will say, but Steve, nothing will happen because of this. That's not Musk's fault. That's the Republican Party's fault and our fault for continuing to blindly support these fools and save America or something by voting for them. That's just the reality. In these disclosures, there are direct communications between Twitter officials and Democrat politicians who are actively calling for and urging censorship in clear violation of the First Amendment. Now, Twitter censoring Hunter Biden's laptop isn't a First Amendment violation. Twitter's not the government. It's slimy. It's biased. It's malfeasant. But it's not a violation of the First Amendment. Democrats demanding it happen and imposing their will to make it so, that is. Those are clear violations of the First Amendment. And, and once again, the definition of tyranny, as you've laid out many times yes. before. And a Demo- or fascism, fascism. Fascism, you mean. And a Democrat congressman actually tried to make yes. that case. Come Wait, guys, you know what we're doing here. Yeah, one Democratic congressman tried to actually say, this might be going too far even for me. I had forgotten about this until Steve Bannon raised it over the weekend. Do you guys remember the statement that a bunch of former intelligence community officials put out claiming that the Hunter Biden laptop, I had completely forgotten about it until he mentioned it. There was a bunch of former intelligence community, see that as people that are either currently 
working for CNN and MSNBC or are hoping to be. OK, uh, they put out a statement claiming the entire Hunter Biden laptop was a Russian disinformation op. Do you guys remember this? Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about it till Bannon brought it up. And he is correct. Every single one of them ought to be brought in under subpoena by the Republican Congress. And if they don't testify, you put out contempt of Congress charges and have them arrested. To put it to, 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 to nail it down and, and distill it down into something we can all recall. Essentially, the same people that the Mueller probe confirmed just wholly and solely and totally made up the P-tape Russian collusion narrative, the exact same elements that tried to create a false flag of a foreign incursion into the U.S. electoral system when it was them with their hands on the weapon the entire time. Because they weren't punished and no one was really held accountable. Turned right around and then demanded censorship of Hunter Biden's laptop, which was real news because it was close to the election and it would have hurt them. And then even tried to go back and claim that the laptop wasn't real but was yet another Russian plant. How many treasonous acts will be permitted before they are punished, I wonder? Now I'm not even mad anymore. I mean, I don't... I'm at war with whatever this country or government is. I'm, I've, I'm comfortable with my dissident status. Now I'm just genuinely curious. Like I'm not even angry anymore. I'm not even angry anymore. Now I'm just genuinely curious. How many times will you let someone just sodomize you in public before you demand something is done about it? I, I'm just gonna. Yeah, I'm just here to. Yeah. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a tootsie roll pop? I, I, I'm literally just. This is just genuine curiosity for me now. I'm not even angry. I'm. I've. I've lost my anger. Let me just say I. I hope your tolerance for public sodomy is very high. Yes, because it appears we're going to be getting a lot more of it in various yeah. forms. Yes, that's cool too, yes. But that's it. Everything else that was unveiled over the weekend is just further evidence of that. They knew what they were doing. They knew what it was. They knew they were censoring you. And they knew it was real. But they had to steal the election from you. That's it. That, that's really the story. Except there it is in black and white. The, the actual communiques, the actual emails, it's all there in black and white. It's all there in black and white. Now, the claim is being made that Republicans had access to this kind of leverage and pressure within Twitter as well. And you do see within the emails that there were attempts by Republicans to influence what Twitter did and did not allow. But since about 96% of all donor money that comes out of Twitter goes to Democrats, they may have had the same opportunity. Let me put it this way. They may have had the same opening, but they didn't have the same opportunity. And you can tell how devastating all of this is by the fact 
that the corporate press over the weekend treated this like the Las Vegas shooting. Like the Kenosha, Wisconsin parade runner. Like Paul Pelosi's hammer. Thanos snapped. Never happened. Which is a good metaphor for exactly what is happening to your way of life, your cultural heritage, and your country as we speak. Gentlemen, your thoughts. The goons that worked for Nixon broke in to the DNC headquarters in the, the, Water- yes. in the Watergate Hotel. Yes. And Steve, you and I, this happened uh, This happened in the year of your birth, correct? 73, Watergate? 1972. It was before well, the, 70, birth. the 72. Had, it was during the 1972 okay. election, correct, yeah. yes. Uh, we were raised on that. Mm-hmm. We, And the we were raised on that on several fronts. Just a a political soap opera story, all the layers to it. But to your last point there, we were raised on it because this was the best of journalism. Journalism did that. Woodward and Bernstein did that. Now we have this. What we know about Twitter. We know the same thing happened uh, based on uh, things that were also put out this weekend regarding uh, Katie Hobbs. Another way she put her thumb on the scale. She tried to get Twitter to censor uh, claims and reports of what was going on in the Arizona election in Maricopa County. Yes. My point being, Democrat policy vis-a-vis ruling over you indefinitely is Watergate every day. They are fine with it. It is their modus operandi, committing Watergate every day. Because what you going to do about it? Because that press that did that to Nixon, they're in our pocket. They're us. Hail Hydra. We are in the midst of a civil war. You, the only thing you need to do now is come to terms with that fact, A, and B, decide what you're going to do about it. Here's the other thing to keep in mind, Aaron. As someone who was under constant threat of censorship these last couple of years because of COVID dissidents, I can tell you that of the of the three main COVID, or the three main social media sites for disseminating information, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, that Twitter was actually the least censored. Now that's not yep. to say that it was free. That's not to say that it was free. Because it wasn't. Because it wasn't. But in comparison to Facebook and YouTube, uh, I mean, Twitter was an Ayn Rand book, okay, compared to those two. Low bar, but... And, and, And so if this was going on at Twitter, what do you think was happening on Facebook and YouTube this entire time? It was going on all of these places, Aaron. This is a hydra. It was systemic. This is just the first confirmation we have of it occurring. But know this, if it happened at Twitter, it was happening everywhere else, too. Last year at this time, Elon Musk's purchasing of Twitter was not on anybody's radar. I don't think. I don't think. 
It was not on anybody's radar. There are not three, four Elon Musks, I don't believe, who have the liquidity available to them to go out and purchase and do the same thing with Facebook or Google or whatever it's called now, um, Alphabet, whatever it's called. Do not count, do not count on things getting better with those organizations anytime soon. I want to go back to something that you kind of mentioned in passing about Elon Musk taking assassination attempts seriously. If you listen to shows like this, you know how dead serious, dead serious, no pun intended, you know how dead serious the spirit of the age is in forming, maintaining narratives, all for the goal of attaining and keeping power. And they use the power they've already accumulated in order to form those narratives. So when somebody comes in and becomes a fly in the ointment of the overall narrative that they're trying to weave on any given day, a la an Elon Musk or a la Donald Trump, circa 2015, 16, 17, you don't think that they start considering ways to get around that? They've tried, they've tried to uh, Me Too Elon. That went nowhere. It's been... Uh, the better part of a year, this entire acquisition, and still, and still, we haven't really gotten anything on him. They have, tr they, they cannot cancel him, apparently. They don't have in anything on him. I say all this to say, Elon Musk, yeah, he's the richest man in the world, but when they've got nothing on him, that means he has everything, literally everything to lose. That's a couple dead crypto billionaires yep. in the last couple weeks. He has everything to lose. It's dead and crypto yet, billionaire season, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and Please yet, do mask up. Yes. And yet he's proving yet again. The thing cockroaches hate the most is when light is shine, mm -hmm. shined upon them. Mm -hmm. What is the lesson here then? Let's. I know Elon Musk is rich, but he still has everything to, to lose. I believe that. What do we have to lose? Down here in the, the cheap seats. Cockroaches hate light being shined upon them. Why aren't we doing this at every single school board across the entire country? Why is it that people like us seem to be an endangered species at school board meetings? Instead, it's just Todd and like one other gal in Carlisle that show up. Shine the light on these cockroaches. They can Vegas shooting this thing at the corporate media level if they want to you know what they can't you know what uh barb on the school board um, uh, on the school board down the street can't do they they can't vegas shooting this they mm -hmm. can't just ignore this when you're literally showing up that's the lesson here i think overall that's a great point i mean even if you're if you're on a local body and you're all by yourself you still have the ability to access information and sunlight it to the public. Even if you can't move an agenda, you can still do that. And in many, in many cases, that's more detrimental to the spirit of the age. Remember, I've said in the past, when I first started turning my show into activism years ago here locally, I, I thought it was going to be, maybe egotistically, definitely egotistically, I thought it was going to be my unique, gifted way of eloquently and powerfully making my points that was going to make enemies, and it wasn't. It was, it was the fact that I gave um, a platform to people on the inside who were dissidents, 
who were resistors of what was going on. And they now had the ability to bring that information to the public writ large that they previously did not have. They had a platform now to communicate, shine light on the roaches that they didn't have before. Sunlight is always the best disinfectant, by the way. Uh, and, And that's what made them try to take me out year after year. It was allowing my show to be a conduit for the exposing of them. And that is something that, you know, we got the email on Friday from the gal who said, you know, I haven't, I've defied all their edicts, but am I wrong to stay and work here in the healthcare setting? And we told, no, you're doing a great job. Stay right where you are. And if anything, funnel even more information out of there to the public about what is really going on. Daniel and I are going to release here in the next couple of months, a book, 400 pages of whistleblowers. That's going to knock your socks off when you read it. But it will also be very similar to these Twitter files. It'll be stuff you've suspected, probably knew, but now you're going to see it confirmed. And it's going to come from people from various sectors who stand up to say the truth. The truth is the most powerful weapon ever forged. The truth is its own reward. Now, Musk has given us the truth. The question is, what do we and the people we elect on our behalf, what do they do with it? What do we do with it? More in a moment. If you are looking for a unique gift this Christmas season, especially for clients, um, maybe prospects you in the new year are hoping will be clients, how about a customized cooler with their corporate logo branding on it from our friends over at Tyga Coolers? They can do that for you or customize a cooler for you with really anything you want, provided it doesn't, you know, it's not satanic like, you know, certain fashion agencies, or it doesn't violate a copyright. They can do anything for you along those lines. And they also make really good high-end premium coolers as well. All American-made, employing actual Americans, and their parts and products don't come from China either, all right? 10% discount when you use the promo code Steve at checkout when you go to tigacoolers.com. You spell it T-A-I-G-A. At least go there and check out what they have. You'll be very impressed. Tigacoolers.com and use the promo code Steve at checkout for 10% off. Comes with a lifetime warranty as well. Tigacoolers.com, promo code Steve. Let's welcome back to the program, good friend of the program, Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? Doing really well. Congratulations on a, another great weekend. Michigan, Big Ten champs, Final Four, number two, maybe number one coming it, up. It's amazing. I mean, two, <laughs> two years ago at this time, remember we had the, was the Big Ten going to play or not? Sure. And so we were still playing regular season games in yeah. December, in early December, because they didn't start until late October. And I remember thinking at this point two years ago, man, can we get COVID or something so that we can shut the season down and not lose 80 to nothing? Yeah. To Ohio I remember State? you were not a happy camper. No. And then lo and behold, we did. Okay. Yeah. And so that was, you know, we euthanized our season and I was all for it. And it looked like this program was dead on arrival, dead as a doornail. And But what a turnaround. What, what a turnaround. 
you know? And then what's funny is you look at the way that they talk as a team for you as an old school family values guy, so many guys talk about faith and everything the coach does. A lot of the star players do. Um, Donovan Edwards, who was the MVP of the Big Ten Championship game, when they put him on the platform, he's just 19 years old, man. Mm-hmm. 19 years old. They put him on a platform on national television with 20 million people watching. And, you know, what's he going to say? And he's like, you know, uh, uh, all praise to uh, my Lord and Savior and. Uh, my fallen teammate, Blake Corn, who just had surgery, yeah, who's yeah. the real starting tailback, you know, he's the best tailback in the country and we wouldn't be here without him. I mean, just it's it's not just fun to watch because they're winning, but and you don't get a lot of opportunities these days. I'm proud of the way they're doing it. too. Yeah. As a Qual- fan. Quality young man. And I think even Harbaugh by saying thanking the parents. Yeah, that's a great recruiting. I've never seen th- that. That's a great recruiting tool, by the way. You yeah. just raise the bar. For these are the type of young men I want in our program. Yeah, I mean, he went out there. And the first thing he said in the in the post game press conference was, "I want to stop and thank the parents yeah. who raised this many quality young men." I mean, that's you know they made our jobs a lot easier. You don't typically see that kind of language. Anyway, enough about me. Yeah, even I'm, though I could go on on this one for a well, while. Well, let me tell you one thing because I used to I used to coach at Indiana University during their summer basketball high school camps, and I remember asking an assistant to Bobby Knight, "How does Bobby Knight get these kids?" Oh, because of the the demands and his oh, Buddhist style yeah. and things of that nature. And he yeah. said, it's interesting. He goes, you go into a recruiting, he, you're in the living room. Bobby Knight would say to the parent, to the kid, your mom and dad are a lot like me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the parents were like, doggone right. You're going to Indiana. Yeah, yeah. So it's that tag to the parents, that's a big deal. And I thought Harbaugh played that way. But well. that's also 30, 40 years ago. I mean, we, sure. were, we were talking before the show uh, about Wisconsin's defensive coordinator who has who didn't get the head coaching job and would be the most coveted coordinator on the market, college or pro, and he's going to stay at Wisconsin, even though he didn't get the job. Uh-huh. And Todd, who's a Wisconsin grad, made the point, you know, hey, because, you know, they took a chance on him. They made him into a man. He's a badger. And that, that sounds weird to say now, but when we were growing up, that's how guys like Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler and Hayden Fry, they built programs like that. And loyalty meant something. And it just doesn't... And so it's weird to this kind of talk you heard from coaches and stuff in the 70s and 80s and well sometimes even in the 90s you heard it quite frequently you just don't hear it that often anymore and Maybe. frankly a lot of parents don't think like it either Every, oh my kids are going to be a superstar why isn't my kid not playing you know what I'm saying you I bet. mean that it's it's unique on both ends of the equation there Maybe another sign of revival coming back to the foundations in the Those end, you, in things. the end, you can as, as far away from it as you run. You cannot escape the old magic. Exactly. It's just a matter of how much destruction you want to do to yourself, others, and the culture around you before you humble yourself and come to that conclusion, mm-hmm. right? So let's talk politics, if you don't mind. I'd love to. The Democrats announced since you were last on that uh, they are removing Iowa's first in the nation status. And they're going to shift it now to South Carolina, which was already one of the first primaries. It was in that early state cluster. Iowa was the caucus, then New Hampshire, then South Carolina and Nevada. Those had been the early uh, four states. Pardon me. Two primaries and two caucuses or cockeye for many, many years. But Iowa first. And they say they want to have a more diverse uh, electorate. Um, An old friend of mine, a GOP pollster named Rick Shafton, sent me a note over the weekend saying he was ecstatic the Democrats are going to make this move because 
they're because given the electorate of the of the Democrat primary over there, they're going to be forced to take every crazy woke position you could possibly imagine campaigning in South Carolina for a year. Now, that assumes we ever see a, a, a contested Democratic primary. If Biden runs again, we won't probably. Sure. And then uh, can we all sit here right now and say four years from now. We don't know. That all the things we've taken for granted our lifetimes will still be able to take for granted. I don't think we can. But let's talk about what that may or may not mean on the Republican side. Do you think it has any impact at all what the GOP decides to do this year well, for, or, well, for, or next year? Well, first of all, in 2024, that decision has already been made. The Republicans are going to start their their process in Iowa with the Iowa caucus. Even though with the, 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 the debate and the vote over who will be the next head of the RNC, there's nothing that would allow that to be altered at this point? Yeah, I, I do not believe so. Matter of fact, I think uh, they, they've already put their uh, their feet in cement, so to speak, of saying this is the process that's going to be laid out. So Iowa will start the Republican process in 2024. I think the bigger question is what happens in 2028. I believe, I may have the date wrong, but I think it's February 3rd okay. will be the so Iowa So around the caucus. time is what it was four exactly. years ago? All right. So What's it mean then if we have one party do their own thing and the other party do something different? Does well, well, it change anything at all? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, these early states are going to be in play. Now, in the Democrat side, it looks like they've taken Iowa out completely from the early anything. You know, I mean, they're still leaving New Hampshire in, South Carolina, obviously, in Nevada in. All those are still early for them. Is that a statement about how red we have made this state in the last 10 years? Plus? I think part of it might be how red we made this as a grassroots exercise. So basically, if they're going to concede Iowa, that, that's a good thing. I mean, thing. And, and to be fair, how would, how would Republicans feel if, let's take a state that was somewhat swingy to, to centrist that went hard blue in recent years, um, and that was now yeah. still the first in the nation state to, dis, to help determine yeah. your nominee. Probably a lot a of good, Republicans yeah. would want to, want to move to, yeah. right? Probably a good state that you'd say would be like Colorado. Yeah. You know, they used to be kind of a toss-up state. Yeah. Now it looks Fair. like it's a very much of blue state, so right. we're going to have a, a great analogy. Republican yeah. caucus there. Yeah. We'd probably say no. But I think what it is, it goes deeper than that. If you understand, Biden's been running for president several times, and Iowa's never given him the thumbs up. Uh, they, they went with Obama. They went with Hillary Clinton. Uh, he took fourth here in, in 2020. So Iowa's never given Biden, like, embrace Biden. But to say that Iowa's racist, listen, they went, Obama probably would never gone, got to be president had Obama not won the Iowa Democrat caucus mm -hmm. in 2008. Guaranteed. And so to say that Iowa's, I think Iowans are very, very savvy. They've done this before historically. A guy by the name of Jimmy Carter doesn't become president unless he wins the Iowa caucuses. And he took on the establishment. He took on the big money. And I remember his first event. He showed up and they had, you know, like rope lines and stuff. And three people showed up. He then started doing a grassroots deal. He went into a barber shop, and there were some guys there in a the barber shop. And he said, hey, "I'm Jimmy Carter, and I'm running for president." And their reaction was, "Yeah, we were just talking about that, and we we're all laughing about it." <laughs> you know, like you're here. Mm -hmm. But what he did is he proved that Iowa was was a staging ground. George H. W. Bush, same type thing. He probably was never Reagan's vice president unless he won in Iowa in 1980. So those are things that you take a look at. So I think uh, what Iowans have done is that they made retail politics, handshakes, look in the eye, come in the backyard, cast your vision, be ready to be grilled on anything and everything, and it prepared you for the national stage. So I hate to see the Democrats do this. I really, really do. 
Uh, but I think for sure in 2024, but we'll see in 2028. I don't think it does anything on the Republican side. So Joe Biden is the first Democrat since the advent of the Iowa caucus is going back to 1976, as you just uh, gave us the, the history of their of their primacy there. He is the first Democrat to not finish in the top three in Iowa and get elected president in a contested Democratic caucus. That had never happened before. Right. Um, you have to take 1992 with Bill Clinton. You just have to throw that out because Tom Harkin was running for president that right. year. So it wasn't really contested here. So he is the first Democrat since 1976 to get elected president without finishing the top three in Iowa. He finished fourth. Now, we still actually don't know, last I checked, who won the 2020 <laughs> Iowa caucuses. Right. But let's let's look at who the top three were. Because I think that in terms of their worldview... They are much more in line with what the Democratic Party currently is and where it is going than what Joe Biden was still pretending to be at this stage of 2020. Well, he, he was the have a beer with Joe guy. Yes. He was the middle of the road yes, guy. Yes, originally. That's yes. how he tried it. Yeah. So Pete Buttigieg, first of all, explain to me in a primary that's probably going to be at least 60 percent black. Openly gay guys going to South Carolina and running no that primary. That, that, I mean, so how does that work? So then you have Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. All right. So those were the top three candidates in Iowa. Warren finished about three points ahead of Elizabeth or ahead of uh, Joe Biden. And of course, between Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg, we still don't actually know who yeah. technically won. But would we both agree that in terms of its intellectual heart and mind, that's really more what the Democratic Party represents moving forward. When you how does at, that play for a year in the South Carolina Democratic primary? I don't know how it plays, but I think whether you're Buttigieg or whether you're Warren or whether you're Sanders, that is who the Democrat Party is today. Mm -hmm. If you remember, though, too, Steve, not only did Biden place fourth in that, Kamala Harris, our VP, never even made yeah, it to she the didn't make it there. You, you and I got as many delegates in the Democratic in, uh, process yeah. in 2020 as she did. But, but I don't know if you remember this, but when she gave her initial speech at Drake University, I at least was like, oh, my gosh, this is a female Barack Obama. She mm -hmm. had him eaten out of her hand. The problem is she stuck with the same old stories, the same old delivery, the same old everything. It's clearly contrived and rehearsed. And, yeah. you know, and I was said, you know, we're, we're kind of done with that. There's not, a, there's not a real person there. Yeah, there's, and they figured that out. Yeah. So she doesn't even make the Iowa caucuses. So not only do you have a president who doesn't want Iowa to be first, you got a vice president who doesn't want Iowa to be first. What's interesting is I've seen Democrat activist leaders, county chairs saying, uh, they they will not follow the party rules. This is America. Iowa will go first on the Democrat side. How that would work, I have no idea to say. We're just going to go first. Declare yourself first. Uh, but you're going to have a little bit of pushback here, I guarantee. So then if it's locked in that Iowa is still going to go first next year on the Republican side regardless. How much energy do you – I mean, Donald Trump announced a presidential campaign almost a month ago. And it doesn't even seem like that happened. OK, I mean, how much energy do you sense right now? I'm not talking about people with no chance to win like Asa Hutchinson or Mike Pence calling you. You bet. Okay? I mean, within your base of people, how much energy do you do you sense right now for the upcoming caucus cycle? Well, right now, I mean, you're going into the holiday season, so it's, it always hits a lull. However, uh, what you, you gauge is the off-year election, the midterm election, to figure out how many people are showing up. Mm -hmm. And you had a lot of people showing up. Now, you might say they may not all win, whether it be Pence or whether it be Pompeo or whether it be Nikki Haley or Tim Scott. And, and the, Ted Cruz was here as well in the midterms. 
Trump's announcement, though, has created no ripple effect in Iowa whatsoever. Matter of fact, I think his numbers have gone down since his announcement versus have gone up right here in the Hawkeye state. But I think nationally as well. I think part of that reason was, Steve, as soon as he left office, he never went away. And he was always going to run again. His first speech, I will run again. I'll win again. I, I will do this again. Yeah, he's been on the MacArthur, I shall return yeah. tour for a while. Yeah. And then when when you put your, your stake in the ground of being the midterms, my candidates are going to win the midterms. And all of a sudden, you don't have the kind of night you're hoping you're going to have in the midterms. And a guy by the name of Ron DeSantis in Florida does what he does. All of a sudden, a lot of Trump support, I think, is sagging, if not just, you know, completely, you know, going by the wayside saying we're looking for somebody new and i was just on uh, your drive time show that used to have a decade ago and they put up an online poll do you agree with bob vanderplatz that it may be time to turn the page and move on from trump and when the host had me on his show he thought the poll was going to be upside down in favor of trump it was upside down in favor of a new candidate that's with Trump supporters listening to that show. 62% said it's time to move on. That's why you're not seeing the resounding reaction for Trump that you thought you would. Typically, we're, we got about two minutes here, but typically when you have a disappointing midterm, there would be concerns about energy within the, the, the primary process in the next election cycle, right? Mm -hmm. That Who knows whether that will happen in some places like New Hampshire, for example, but could this be a place where that maybe won't be as much of a concern because of how much how red the state the red state got the state got even redder in the last election it's gone increasingly red in the last decade so do you sense a lack of energy among the base as a result of a disappointing election that frankly should have been a resounding win and all Republicans are going to get out of is the same slim House majority that the Democrats had for the last two years? Well, you definitely sense that around the country. I talked to a lot of peers around the country, and there is one of those things about what difference does it make? And mm -hmm. then they pass the Disrespect for Marriage Act right away. And you got these slim margins. We thought there'd be a landslide. Can't people see what Biden's doing? That said, in a state like Iowa, we had a great night. I think the base is very enthused. They're very encouraged. I think they're waiting to engage this caucus process. And so much so, the former ambassador to China, the former governor of Iowa, Terry Branstad. Who's tried to get the Iowa caucuses canceled for about 20 years. Well, he was asked at a breakfast where he attended for Asa Hutchison. And a media person went up and asked him. That's on brand. Yeah. Said, <laughs> said, are you going to endorse Donald Trump? Now, you think the guy that was ambassador to China under Trump worked for Trump. He said, no, 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 I'm going to let the process play out. The other caveat to that, though, is his son works for Trump right now. Mm. So I think what you're seeing, whether it's Jeff Kaufman or whether it's Terry Branstad or Kim Reynolds or whatever role we play here, people are saying we're going to make it an open level and fair playing field like we always have. And there's going to be more candidates in 24, not less candidates. All right, 20 seconds. You bet. We'll, we'll explore this more next year. But you and I have not faced a situation where an elected official could make an endorsement in the Iowa caucuses that would frankly matter more than either of ours, but especially yours. You bet. This might be the first time. You bet. And Governor Reynolds, do you think she's going to get in the game or is she going to let the process play out? I, I, think it, I think it will depend on where she sees the status of the race as it gets closer and closer to the end. If she believes her endorsement will make a difference, say, for the candidate she wants, I think she'd get endorsed. She's been a governor that we have applauded like crazy. Uh, she's not going to hide her endorsement. Uh, Okay. 
be interesting to see if you guys end up on different sides. We'll find out. All right. Thank you, man. We'll see you next week. She'd be wrong. <laughs> nice. All right. Hour two is next. All right, back here with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. You can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, which you can take advantage of by emailing the show. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter and TikTok and Instagram. And then you can and also find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. Speaking of Getter and Truth Social, you're going to take over the program here later this hour with this week's Ask Me Anything. So looking forward to that. You can also find us on Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. That's where you will get you'll get clips of the show that are free of any censorship and also free to watch rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. Those of you that listen to the podcast, thank you very much for doing that. You're a big part of our audience's continued growth. Please. If you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe or follow on whichever podcast platform you partake of and whichever of those two terms applies. And thank you to each and every one of you for doing those things for the program as well. We love and appreciate all of them. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Bullion Max as we continue to see warnings. Elon Musk, the world's richest man, warning about a terrible inflation in the first quarter of next year unless we turn back. Spoiler alert. After this election, we're not turning back. Had our chance, said, nah, there will be no turning back. There will just be an increasingly a turning down. That's why now is a great time to find out why successful and wealthy people have been using gold and silver as hedges against government debasement schemes for years and get started with our friends over at bullion max right now get their silver starter kit at employee pricing we cannot make it more available and inexpensive than that get the bullion max silver starter kit at employee pricing today when you go to bullionmax.com slash steve that's bullionmax.com slash Steve. This deal is so good. We ask that you limit it to one per household when you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve. Nothing brings back warm Christmas memories like the songs and carols you love. And only pericarditis and his MRNAs have all your favorite holiday songs in one non-random controlled study. It's beginning to look a lot like a Vax Pass to get into anywhere you go. From inspiring hymns like Oh, holy spike The protein bloodstream trembling Because they lied And it don't stay in your arm Oh, little town of Wuhan We can't should be put to sleep. Those bats, they don't live nearby. Two traditional Christmas classics such as The 12th decade of lockdowns my true lord's gave to me. 
absolutely freaking nothing. I've been home since Christmas. You can zoom with me. Said your kidneys to the people far and near. Do you fear remdesivir? Then there's those funny novelty songs to lighten the mood. Grandma got run over by a promo. He left her to die in an infected nursing home. I really can't stay. COVID stand. I really must go. Can't baby, it's COVID stand. I saw mommy masking Santa Claus because the CDC said so last night. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell palsy. If you dare get that booster, then you sure are ballsy. And of course, we remember the reason for the season. How cheap did you know? your virus would someday wreck the world. Fauci, did you know that your science doesn't know what's a boy or a girl? It came upon Anthony Fauci, a sulfuric presence of old from demons deep within the earth who knew that his soul was sold but that's not all this collection has so much more to offer like rudolph the red-nosed redfield all I want for Christmas is my fifth vaccine, Deck Rochelle with facts and data, Whitmer Wonderland, Little Jabber Boy, have yourself a little waning efficacy, Happy Christmas, this is never over, and more. All this can be yours for a high, high price we can't name yet because inflation, but don't let that stop you from this once-in-a-lifetime collection. Call now at 1-900-666-VAX to order. Only available while supply chains last. Must be double-masked when you call. Again, that's one 900 666 VAXX. Did you guys see the tweet from the woman who said she went to see a Broadway performance of A Christmas Carol over the weekend? And numerous members of the cast were wearing N95 masks performing on stage. I did not. You didn't see this? And it's true? Yeah. She's like, I, I, what am I looking at? I, I tweeted back to her, a cult. That's what you're looking at. You're, you're looking at a cult. All right, let's get to Ask Me Anything, brought to you by real estate agents, I trust.com in these unprecedented times. Bing. Make sure you dare not venture forth, my good man, into the let's go Brandon real estate market without a herald, a champion, nay, a guide, a real estate agent that you can trust. Where would you find them? Well, the name kind of says it all. Head over to the, to the website, real estate agents, I trust.com. I uh, go there today, provide us with some basic info, and our team will contact you to make an introduction to an agent that has earned our trust. Otherwise, we would not entrust you to them. Again, head over there now. No part-time and experienced agents, full-timers with full-time vetted track records of success when you go to realestateagentsitrust.com. 
This week, we've got questions from Getter as well as Truth Social. Todd has curated the questions that he thinks would be the most interesting to answer on the air. I, of course, have not seen any of these. Todd has handed them over to Aaron to blindside me beginning now. We will begin, though, with a couple of five-star questions. Nice. J.P. Meeker asks, will the future of law enforcement in America look more like RoboCop or Minority Report? So automation or preemption, right? That's what we're talking about. Yep. Those are the two storylines. Can't we have both? That would be my answer. Yes. <laughs> Good. Whatever, whatever, whatever requires the greatest cut in your personal freedom and liberty... That's what it will be across the board on everything without revival. Next five-star question, Maddie 466 asks, raised and confirmed in the Lutheran Church, I keep wondering if my desire for salvation exceeds my faith in Christ. In other words, do I want to save myself more than I believe in him? My prayers feel self-serving and I hate it. My question would be, why are you in constant as a Lutheran, why are you in constant despair for your salvation? Where, where is your, where is Martin Luther's eternal security? Todd is like, I get what you're going through and we have room for you over here, right? You understand this kind of angst, but from a, a Lutheran perspective, a Protestant perspective, um, I, I mean, you have eternal security. I mean, you are now to, you are free to be a member of the priesthood of every believer. You know, um, at this point, Jesus looks at you and says, no one is here to condemn you. Neither do I. Now go and sin no more. Now, the, the process of working out your salvation should cause fear and trembling. The fear and trembling of, will I disabuse the grace that was given me? Will I, to quote another famous Lutheran thinker, will I be a, a receiver of cheap grace as opposed to a saving one? The fear and trembling that I may waste the talent the master has given me or talents that I, I won't, I won't be found worthy of the calling I have received. That I'm operating as a Christian at a subsistence level where I have gotten my eternal fire insurance, but when the crowns are handed out in heaven, um, I sold my Lord short. I took the path of least resistance. From a Lutheran or a Protestant perspective, those are the ways that we navigate those questions biblically. But if you are having this level of constant angst about whether or not you're saved... I think you should consider whether or not you're saved or that you either believe in a different theology than Lutheran, the Lutheran church teaches, or you are in error in your theology if you want to continue to be a Lutheran. 
All right. Moving um, on. That answer okay? Oh, I think it's okay. Yep. I, I think I would have, I would say, hey, pray for other people more. Uh, it, it seems to be implied in there that you're focused a lot on yourself. That's a great point too. Yeah. Just start praying a lot for other people. Get outside of yourself maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, here's the thing a lot, you, you're not, you're not special. Your sins aren't special. And this is one, th- one thing that a lot of Christians have a lot of time with, with uh, the Catholic notion uh, of uh, uh, confession, inscrutability, like a lot, it, priests talk about people who keep, keep coming back confessing the same sin, not because they keep committing the same sin, but because they just cannot accept that it's, they're forgiven. They're just so racked with guilt. And Steve's talked about this on the show. He's not Catholic, but like, is, do you believe in God's grace or don't you? Is, why, why do you insist that your guilt is bigger than his grace on that cross? You just have to make your peace with that. If you won't, then I ask you the same question as Steve asked. Are you really saved? So just, you got to, I, I, people I've loved, I've had to confront with this. So it's not theoretical. You can just see that. And when I say you're not special, I'm trying to do you a favor by saying like, we all, the reason that we ultimately fall into our sins is is because we believe we are special on some level that our path is unique. Did God really say, I'm going to do things my way? Make it all God's way. You are not special. And to the degree that you are, it's because he knows the ways that you are. And you often screw that up. So just start praying for other people and accept the fact you're forgiven. It's awesome. That is by Came the way, from a Catholic. is a very justification by faith yeah. kind of an answer, yeah. brother. So, amen. Well, we have that too. <laughs> we just have other stuff. Yeah, I just didn't put the alone in there. Yeah, I hear, <laughs> I hear you. Okay. Um, we'll move on to getter questions. Uh, Polythemius uh, 8000 Boy, says... Boy, better do you me. Wow. Yeah. Good luck with that one. Stephen Crew, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to y'all the last two years. I find I've grown more spiritual listening to your insightful and passionate words as you've pivoted to a more spiritual-minded show. I, too, attend a church which not only gives us milk, but skim milk. I and my family are looking to leave and find another, but the responsibilities we've taken on need to come to a close before this can happen. This got me thinking. I wonder if you would consider creating a video Bible study series, perhaps for men. That could help cultivate revivals within these churches, so we might make a difference in a sweater vest, pleated khaki church. So, we have had various conversations uh, internally over the years about how much to expand into some of those areas. Um How do I put this? Let me say this. There is no substitute. None. There is no substitute for a man in a pulpit in a, with his Bible open and telling an audience of his cultural community peer group what's inside of it. There's no substitute for that. 
and podcast efforts and podcasts of sermons and those sorts of things are great. Um, they are, they're great ancillary benefits, complementary benefits. But number one, I am not qualified to be a pastor. I mean, in essence, what you're asking us to do is a form of a virtual church. I'm not qualified to be a pastor. I'm not qualified to be an elder. That's why I've never tried to be one in any church that I am at. There is much more that it takes to... There's much more that it should take. Maybe is a better way of putting it. It should take much more to be seen as someone of that level of prominence spiritually in someone's life than just the the preaching of God's word. That's a major component of it, but it is not the entirety of a ministry. And I think that, you know, even with this new contract, we, we tossed around some ideas of whether to go more in depth in certain areas or not. And then for various reasons decided not to do it. And, but one of them I will tell you is there's no substitute for the, for the local pastor. That's the model. And I, I don't want our show to do something that I am no fan of whatsoever. And that's the franchising of, of ministries. The one church and multiple location stuff really bothers me. And our hope in how much we do theology on the show is that it encourages you to go and find that individual connection with a ministry that can truly disciple and grow you. Just as we've said over the years on the show, we're not trying to start an argument or trying to win an argument all the time. Most of them are trying to start one, right? We're not, we're not trying to disciple you. We are, and if, if, if that happens, that's frankly more of a statement about the lack of options you have where you should be getting discipled more than what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do here is let the lion out of its cage. We're not, we're not trying to disciple you per se. We're not trying to convert you per se. That's a process that is very personal. That's between you and a church and you and the Holy spirit. What we're trying to do here is begin that process, not confirm it. We're, we're trying to, we're trying to light a lot of America is like a pilot light on an old stove. The, the structure is still there. The burners are still there. Like it looks like a stove that would work. See where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. But when I go to turn it on, no gas in the burner pilot lights out. We're not the stove makers. We're trying to we're trying to do what we can do on this show to reignite the pilot light, and then let the the stove do its thing, and that's the 
That's the, that's the church. That's what it's supposed to do. And you deserve to be discipled by better men than us. Me in particular. And I'm very aware of that, which is why I also go for broke on the theological end of things, because I am very aware of how unworthy I am of the calling I have received. I am very aware of the fact I was bought at a high price. My life is not my own. So to more formalize it, I, I think, number one, puts me in a position I am not qualified for. Number two, I, I also think there, there's, there's no substitute for the local church. And if we don't have, you know, we had the little sarcastic bit about the Alistair Begg quote that Alan, or, or clip that Aaron played in his montage. Hey, you may not know what this looks like. It's called a pastor. But some of you listening right now, just as I've said about the whole one church in many locations. So you mean to know you expanded to all these suburbs and there was nobody else in those suburbs that could be called, that could preach or teach that you're just as Todd just said a minute ago, you're just so special. You're just so uniquely gifted that there couldn't possibly be somebody in that, in that same suburb that you just, that you just expanded to beyond the one you're already planted in. There could be no one else that could actually shepherd that congregation that, that you have to franchise yourself. No, Paul didn't franchise himself. He planted churches. He planted church leaders. His calling was apostolic. He may have overseen them. But, but he overseen them by, one of the ways he oversaw them was giving them authority that they were entitled to as church leaders. And, and then he didn't attempt to take their authority away if they went off the rails. He discipled them into how to correctly use the authority that they had. It wasn't about him. And so for us to more formalize how we do this on the show in a way, sort of creates a cheese its version of a steak. You'll get more scripture, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you won't get more church. The church is more, it can't be a church without the preaching and teaching of God's word, but it is more than just that. Any thoughts on that answer? Well, it's a humble one, uh, since it's always directed at you, and that that would be uh, uh, unavoidable to address. But I, I, it's it's nice that you ask such a thing of somebody you respect who's helped you. But you know how this goes more often than not. This is you're asking for televangelism. You're asking for Maxwell Lord, even though you don't intend to. That's what it always turns into because of exactly what Steve said. It, it, it becomes unmoored from direct accountability. You need that at that church that Steve is talking about, and so does your pastor. And the reason they don't have it when it turns into made-for-TV is because then it becomes about the Benjamins. I mean, I don't, it, it, Steve's made cracks about Creflo Dollar and stuff for how long? You know, this is... You, you, you pay Steve a great... Uh, honor 
by asking such a thing, but think more broadly, think beyond Steve. This goes bad more often than it does help. Correct. Correct. Do not... Don't put the ring in my hand. I will be dark and terrible as the dawn. Trust me. Don't do that. I'm not a nice guy. I try to be a good guy, but I am not a nice guy. Don't put that ring in my hand. There's a reason why God put me here and not behind a pulpit. I, I don't have the patience, the basic decency, the level of gifted empathy it takes to truly do that job. I'm the voice crying out in the wilderness, but I'm not your pastor. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the guy yelling at Herod in the street. That's, that's who I am. All right, moving on. We will go now to Jeff 2000, who asks, how come the apparent Ponzi scheme crypto crook isn't in jail? Is it because he said he ripped people off, but he's really sorry? This is fascinating to me because <laughs> the guy has done several interviews, mm-hmm. with, but, but, but on the media outlets of the very people he ripped off. I, I, I don't know really what to make of that. Another. The, this is, these are the people he ripped off. And their and and their media outlets are attempting to victimize him or rehabilitate him, and I don't I don't I don't understand that. I'm not criti- I, critical thinking comes naturally to me. Um, I would think that you know he would want or or require a lot of security around the people that he ripped off, not a sat up link, okay, to rehabilitate his image, but okay. You know, I don't, I don't know what to make of there that. There was another uh, person who asked a question later on about what, has this guy been a patsy all along in that? Is this guy, is he the Oswald? Is he fundamentally a, we're, we're at, we're talking about him usually as a crypto guy who mm-hmm. built this thing. Mm-hmm. And then because of his politics <clears throat> and other he got involved in things and perhaps Ukraine and cycling back and, and all that stuff. But it happened later. What if he was not fundamentally really a crypto guy? It's This whole thing has been kind of a front all along. It's not something that turned into something. That's what it was he's a, he's, there's, all, all he, along. He's a Zelensky, but he wears a black shirt instead of a green yeah. one. Yeah. He's just a funneling agent. He's an actor. He's, he's just there. Um, he, something needs to be the funneling construct for the money laundering scheme, right? I mean, what's the estimate? Hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, he funneled into the coffers of Democratic yeah. politicians. Right. And so. And then along those lines. If you go scorched earth on him, what does he know? Who could he what could he what could he put out there? What could he reveal that could be very, very damaging along those lines? And so the reality is, okay, the the collateral damage about holding his feet to the fire to the extent that it should be puts puts your own attachments and your own role in these processes puts them in danger. For example, what do you think the disc- It was very difficult to put Ghislaine Maxwell in prison for life for sex trafficking to essentially yeah. 
no one. Right, that, that's one of the best lines of 2022 is our buddy Tim Young, the conservative comedian. Ghislaine Maxwell went to prison for the rest of her life for essentially sex trafficking to nobody. Because we don't know who it was. Who was she? Who, we don't, we don't, know how, we have, don't have a clue who the client list was, or at least we have ideas. But again, similar to what we said about the Musk files last hour, we don't have confirmations. We suspect, we know, but we don't have it confirmed, right? So Ghislaine Maxwell's in prison for the rest of her life for sex trafficking to, sex trafficking to apparently no one. How do you pull this off? Because this isn't a one-on-one transaction. This money would have gone through numerous hands to get to where it ultimately had to, right? I mean, he's running a Ponzi scheme, which means he is raising money through one organization by vis-a-vis another organization. Okay, so you're talking about layers of bureaucracy here, layers of hands that would have touched this. Um, how, How do you prosecute him without... A lot of stuff coming out in the wash. To your original point, you used to talk about we can't even sin right or normally anymore. Young people not wanting to have sex with each other right, and how right. and how like that's how utterly lost we are. Yeah. Same thing. Like if the p- very people that have lost all the money, <clears throat> the other if if not sex, money. The two things like uh, you. T- I may look a lot way uh, another way in a lot of things, but if you get rid of my money in in the way of my money, and they're not even going to call him on that right. either. Right. The level of depravity that we are experiencing as a culture right now. It goes back to what Aaron thought during lockdowns that our decadence would be the reason we wouldn't put up with these yes. for very long, and yes. it turned out that we wanted compliance even more than our own decadence. Phenomenal. We'll come back more. Ask me anything here in a moment. Aaron, your turn to tell the audience about our friends over at Battle Box because you're a lot more manly than I am in this area, brother. Several uh, several people over the last few days asking what the uh, information is for BattleBox, the name of this company. And, you know, if you're into survivalism, camping, or just being prepared to bug out, should the case uh, be, BattleBox is a great option for you. And especially now that we're approaching Christmas, probably a pretty good uh, idea for the outdoorsman or uh, survivalist in in your life as well that you're looking to get that gift for battle box is basically all things like i like to say all things you need to survive out in the wilderness the one box that they sent us it was just filled chock full of things you can start your own fire you can eat for a while until you find your own uh, own food to eat uh, you can uh, get shelter make shelter uh, cut down wood for that fire it even came with a knife which is extremely handy all things you need if you like uh, camping which i know a lot of people do uh, this this product is for you. It's basically a subscription service. You get a new box with new, really useful, high-quality gear for survivalism every single month, Steve. Great stuff. So if you want to try Battle Box, here's your opportunity right now. They'll throw in a free mystery box that's worth well over 100 bucks with any new subscription. When you go to trybattlebox.com slash Steve, that's right, they'll throw in an additional mystery box for free worth well over a hundred bucks with any new subscription. When you go to try slash Steve, if you want to be manlier than me, like Aaron is try slash Steve. Let's continue on with our ask me anything. 
Uh, let's see. Moving on to EMW Robleski. Since you're not sure how many brutal Iowa winters you've got left in you, have you ever considered a move to the North Georgia mountains, like north of Atlanta? This area is a haven for Midwesterners because, one, we get four seasons that don't punch you in the gut the way a Midwest winter or summer does. Two, approximately an hour and a half away from Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Alabama, in case we have to bug out. Three, only five and a half hours from Florida's 30A beaches. Four, spirit-filled churches with pastors who know what time it is. Five, huge contingent of Big Ten fans make you feel like you're in it on game day. And six, front line is Georgia's TFL, and they could use your help. And then number seven, your conservative vote would be extremely appreciated. And eight, you could run into a random Heisman Trophy winner turned Senate candidate at church. And there was a picture included with this. This woman was actually pictured. Oh, really? With, okay. With um, with Herschel? With Herschel. Oh, you Herschel Walker, one of the great calls in college football history. Um. Sure. I love Georgia. I've um, been to the state many times. Love it to death. I mean, I love Atlanta to death. I just don't know how anybody lives there. I mean, I just, whew, the traffic there is incredible. Unlike anything I've experienced in my entire life, but I love Georgia. I, I could see it. Yeah. I mean, you made one heck of a case there, you know, I've got some work considerations now, you know, they, they just put this not inexpensive studio in for me here so there are certain requirements of where i go next if we stay here you know we're going to remain in a building like this that can house this studio or find our own if we move you know where could we go that we could place this studio in there and then how many times is the blaze going to be okay with us moving this studio so i mean we've got some other considerations to consider but uh by all means you made a heck of a pitch there for sure i love georgia uh, next up, let's go to Thor Thompson, who says the declaration states that self-evident truths are the reason uh, why we, the people, uh, consent to the government. Therefore, when government becomes destructive to these truths, the people have the right to alter or abolish the government and reorganize in such a way that it secures these rights or truths. So if elections are corrupted or stolen in states that ultimately affect the outcomes of national representation in Congress or the presidency, does that not damage the consent of the governed in states whose citizens did not allow corruption of their elections? Doesn't that break the social compact? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Completely agree. That's why I think if you are in a, a real, or at least something pretending to be a real red state, um, with an attorney general like a Ken Paxton in Texas, for example, you should be suing. Or maybe our new attorney general, uh, when, uh, uh, when she takes over in January, you should be suing these other states that are stealing these elections on the grounds that they, of, 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 well, really on all the grounds, brother that, or sister, I'm not sure who wrote it, uh, but I uh, don't want to assume anybody's gender, uh, but on the grounds of everything that you just articulated, you bet. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is a byproduct of of nationalizing all these elections, taking the Senate elections away from state legislatures and things of that nature. I 100% agree with every word you just said. Next up, Fevecchio. 13, did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah. Like Kofefi? Uh-huh. You talk a lot about trials and executions, but how do you expect the broken system to be willing to destroy itself, even if there's a massive public outcry 
Don't you think most of the people at the top will get off by simply sacrificing and blaming some of the lower-tier management? I don't see how the Gates and Soros type stitch in the Republican trash and the leftist machine can really be destroyed without something akin to a not-so-peaceful revolution. I tend to agree with this analysis as well. I also, though, never thought I would live to see the day uh, that Roe v. Wade was overturned. I never thought I would, uh, I didn't think at the beginning of the year we'd be ending this year with Elon Musk buying Twitter out of his own pocket uh, and then uh, essentially emptying its files to confirm uh, a lot of the the truths and realities that the regime has tried to keep from us. Um, I, I certainly didn't think Kevin McCarthy was going to say here the final month of the year that we're not doing any more defense spending through the Congress without the ending of vaccine mandates on the military personnel. I mean, did you have that on your bingo card, brother? No. I didn't. I mean, I had to give I, I got to be I got to keep it real. I, I got to keep it real. So, I mean, I saw McCarthy do that this morning, and even though I felt disgusting afterwards and needed a Silkwood shower. OK. I mean, that'll make you feel like you're the caboose at the train running event, all right? Given to Kevin McCarthy and my man, okay? You're just soiled and dirty by that point. But would we not be in approval of that? Right? Is that not what we've asked, the kind of things we've been asking Republicans to do this entire time? Do I think his motivations that suddenly Kevin McCarthy has suddenly realized the poisonous jab should stop being imposed upon our best and brightest? No, I I don't. I think Kevin McCarthy is counting votes in the GOP caucus and realizes he is short of 218. I think that's probably true, right? He's trying to figure out how do I get there. Fair? Whatever. But it is what it is. You know, so don't ever forget we're on the side. He's not on ours. We're, we're trying to get on his. We're on the side of a sovereign God. Never forget that. Now, don't become like hyper spiritual. Like you don't have to do anything. Or like the impossible will occur constantly. Take the wheel, God. Yes, because you deserve it. Or don't do that, okay? Don't become, you know, we've got, they literally are in Philadelphia right now, boarding up windows and stopping you from counting votes in violation of all kinds of laws. No, we're over here with Sidney Powell. And uh, don't, don't do that either, okay? Like when you're drowning at sea and the orange cone comes by, don't say, I watched Creflo last night and he told me the Lord would send me a helicopter. No, take the flipping cone and don't drown. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It's the story of the guy who drowns in the open water. Piece of driftwood goes by, doesn't take it. Orange cone goes by, doesn't take it. Sees a ship off in the distance, but because his peripheral vision is distorted when you're in open sea, he doesn't realize how far away it is. He ends up drowning, goes to heaven. Sees the Lord face to face and says that while I am greatly appreciative of you letting me in, I have to ask, I prayed very earnestly to not drown out there. What happened? Jesus is like, I don't know, bro. Did you see the driftwood I sent by and the orange cone? That, that ship you saw out there in the distance was like seven hours away. Okay. I sent those things to you so that you could sustain yourself until it got there. My question for you is, why are you here now? Why didn't you grab them when you had the chance? We do that a lot. 
don't own, don't limit God to only the fantastical, but don't limit him to being without it though either. Somewhere in the back of your mind always should be, I serve a sovereign God. And then if the fantastical doesn't happen when you most need it, he still gave you salvation. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You may not know all the various events as to why this had to occur this way. You don't. So you put your faith in the one who spared not even his own son on your behalf. Even when you don't see it. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't told this story in a while. When I'm, I, the first speaking engagement I ever did as a believer, I was asked to speak to a men's ministry in a Des Moines suburb one night. And um, they had offered to pay me for my time. And I'm like, it's, it's just a few minutes from my house, not that far away. It's not a big deal. I'm happy to come and do it. And I'll tell you what, you know, I love small town or local pizza places. So I was like, dance up like a local, the local pizza joint in your particular exurb. It was actually an exurb, not a suburb. And they're like, yeah, I think it was called Angelo's or something. And I'm like, um, tell you what, you guys have a hot Italian sausage ready for me to go because I'm not going to, by the time my show gets off and I got to drive over, I'm not going to get home for dinner. So you guys are, you guys handle my dinner and we'll call it even. At the time I weighed about 400 pounds. So that was I needed, I needed, I needed the, the grindage, Polly Shore. And so they said, sure, you got it. No problem at all. So I go up and speak. Don't remember what I said. You know, I'm sure it wasn't probably right. Cause I'd been a Christian for about a week and, uh, I get done. And the gentleman who had asked me to come and speak to this group walks over to me after I say goodbye and I'm on my way out with my pizza. And he goes, Hey man, the fellas and I just didn't feel right about having you come out here on a winter night, you know, away from your family, missing dinner. So we took up a collection for you. And, um, we just, yeah, we just wanted to honor you with that. I'm like, no, I, I told you it was all good. Don't worry about that. You know, he's like, no, really take it. And I'm like, really dude, it's okay. And then I could tell I was like offending him by not taking it. And I looked down, it was a, it was a wad of bills and wrapped around. It was like a $10 bill. So I'm like, it's probably not that much money. So maybe I don't need to feel bad. So, okay. I said, thanks. Took my pizza, put the wad of bills in my pocket, start driving home. I get home and it's at our old house. We don't have an attached garage and I can pull in and I can see my wife is pacing in the kitchen. And uh, early in the early parts of our marriage, I was not kind when it came to money matters. Let's just put it that way. I get into the house and Amy's like, I just, I'm very sorry. I screwed something up. And I'm like, what happened? And she said, I thought I had paid the light bill. You know, Amy wanted to be home with our, we only had one child at this time. She was pregnant with Zoe. So Anna's still a baby. Amy tried to go back to work, couldn't do it. So we're a single income home with a mortgage and, you know, I'm making 35, 40,000 a year doing a sports talk show. And that's the, all the income we have for everything. So yeah, not, uh, or thinking that the, the electric bill had been paid and it wasn't. And that check ends up bouncing is a pretty big deal. So I'm like, how much is it? $143. 
That was a lot of money to us back then. And, but I know, I, I can tell how I'm supposed to react. Which is differently than I have all the other times before. <laughs> so I'm like, I swallowed hard. I'm like, I'm sure we'll make it work. Something will come up. We'll figure it out. No use having a meltdown over 143 bucks. It'll be fine. Gave her a hug. That was it. I want to eat this pizza. Put the pizza on the counter. I start taking up, you know, emptying my pockets while I'm eating this pizza. I'm starving. And uh, take this wad of bills out. I just put it on the counter. Because I got to eat this pizza. She grabs the wad of bills. And she says, what's this? I said, yeah, the guys just, they took an offering for me. I didn't, I didn't want to say no. I tried to, but they were adamant that I take it. And I didn't look like it was that much money, so... Figured I didn't want to insult them, so I took it. As I'm eating the pizza, Amy unfurls, unrolls these bills and begins to count the amount of money. How much money do you think was in that roll? The exact amount we were now overdrawn in our checking account. To the dollar. The exact amount every time I tell that story man it makes the hair in the back of my neck stand up that story is 20 years old now so no don't don't mystify God don't put him in if if it's not fantastical then it can't be him but don't limit him don't limit him either that's what sovereign means. He's beyond our limitations, our expectations. He is separate from us. So you correctly and historically and philosophically have deduced the, the conundrum we are in. And it ain't a good place. <laughs> All right. But God. That's why revival or bust. Speaking of which, that's what our friends at Preborn are all about. They are there for both the mom who has a crisis pregnancy and the baby who's in crisis because their lives may be at stake, depending on what mom decides to do. And they know that moms have a tendency to, once they realize, yes, I'm carrying a baby, I can't do it. So they show them things like ultrasounds and sonograms. But then they also know how difficult that decision is for a lot of single moms like mine was. And so they provide the maternity care as well, the baby clothes, the diapers, the car seats, the counseling, so that they're for emotional and spiritual support. All of this and more, they do free of charge. But to keep doing that, they need support from people like us. If you'd like to make a donation today, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Or you can just simply go to preborn.com slash Steve. Once again, that is preborn.com slash Steve. We have about 30 seconds. Not enough time for any final thoughts, but we are going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. Tweet from a buddy of mine over the weekend. Do we agree or disagree with it? We'll discuss that and why coming up later today after we record it for you at blazetv.com slash days. For the rest of you, hopefully the last few minutes here encouraged you at least a little bit. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace.
on the Blaze Radio Network.